podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No one should settle when it comes to taking care of their health and wellness. And with Everly Well, you don't have to. Everly Well makes lab testing easy with over 30 at-home lab tests from food sensitivity and vitamin D to heart health and more. All with simple sample at-home collection, free shipping, and physician-reviewed results sent to your device in just days. Learn more at everlywell.com and demand better for your body. That's everlywell.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Fatback Four Daily for this Friday night, the 3rd of January. Tonight's show is going to be a little bit of a midterm report on Liverpool and the season, how it's gone so far. Players, games, moments and I suppose what's to come in the last five months of the season, how we approach the FA Cup, what happens in the league, Champions League. It's It's going to go from... It's going to jump all over the place. There's going to be random questions thrown in there. And I've been told by both my guests that there are no time limits. So this could go on for literally forever. But look, let's see who we get on. Here we go. And good evening, here we go. Uh, with me, of course, is my two guests. It's Andy and it's Keith. Andy, how are you, my man? You're in great form, I'd say, are you? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, go on. Christmas is great. At this stage. I don't know why they're saying they're sick of Christmas at this stage, Andy, um, but I think Christmas is great. I'm not having a bar of any more of that carry on from people. Would Christmas, you would you look for Christmas to last a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, I would. I would um, look for an extension to Christmas of a few days, so mm. if we could celebrate, re-celebrate Christmas on the sixth for a little Christmas. Yeah, I think they do that already, and then, Andy. Somewhere. No, we never. We don't. Well, in Spain they do. Yeah, yeah. Should we so, all do it uh, We should do it here, and but not have to go back to work the following day. Yeah. So okay. a few days after that. Right, okay. Um I'm sure we could um I'm sure we could look into that for you. Keith, is there any strange fucking things you want to throw out there, um, like extending the calendar year or you know, making Easter just joined on to Christmas so we can get some extra celebrations in like Andy? Oh, I'm all for uh, more bank holidays and all that sort of thing. So yeah, let's extend Christmas. Let's make it nice and long. Okay. Um, even longer than Right. Andy wants to like I'm off to about March go for it well, extend Christmas till March yeah Let, we'd be dead like the amount yeah, of times we'd be fucking having oh no yeah worry about it then in April Okay, alright. Well, we'll see how we get on. We'll see how we get on. Um, PW says a super long show, question mark. Give me a sec till I grab a can. You go and grab as many as you like, my man. Kevin Sullivan says, could have gone any better. Even the injury crisis we had hasn't derailed us. Uh, we're going to get into all that. Yeah, Kev. Evening table topper says Avo. Uh, the missus is out for a little women's Christmas tomorrow night, says Kev. Um, 
women have their own Christmas, you see, this is where it's all going wrong. Do men have their own Christmas at some stage as well? I'm sure they do, because we all have to be equal. Uh, and it has to be all sorts of stuff going on. You know, if men get something, women have to get something. If women get something, men have to get something. It's the way the now, world little, What's the, that little women's Christmas, that's a country thing. Is it? Yeah. An Irish country thing, like. Yeah, yeah, it's a country thing. Yeah, I never Jeff. heard of it. I, I heard, never heard of him myself. Yeah. Yeah. I heard because uh, one of my mates has a cold cheat uh, wife, so <laughs> I heard it through him. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. There's research for you. Uh, Alan just says, Starty Gav. Alan, how are you, my man? Um, right, let's get into it. And we will get into look, That's how random it started off, and it will probably end on, on that on that um, score as well when we get to the show and into it. And very near the end, it'll go proper mayhem because usually when Andy's involved, that's what happens. Um Right, the league itself. So, lads, I wanted to have a look, and I wanted to. It's most seasons you would have a mid-term report, and you'd be, "This is good. This is bad. We can do this. We can do that." We've been absolutely outstanding. Um, we've been brilliant. Let's let's say that from the from the off. But you know, we ha- it's not being without. It's it's hurdles to climb. It's it's you know, it's injuries as as Kev has pointed out there. Little bits and pieces going wrong, but we've managed to overcome them. But the first place I suppose to start, Andy, is usually when you get to twenty league games in, we're just gone past the halfway mark. But usually when you get that that far in, and it comes to goalkeepers, you're usually talking about one goalkeeper. Has he been good? Has he saved your points? You know that sort of thing. You know how many yeah. points has he gained? You? We're talking about two this season because Allison gets injured in the fourth game of the season at home to Norwich after about twenty. 25 minutes Adrian who was literally training back at home in Spain uh, gets the call and comes in and his first game I think it's the Super Cup and he ends up playing I think it's 8 league games in a row before Alisson makes his comeback so on both of them how do you think they've done first of all I suppose Adrian having to come into that into a, into a brilliant brilliant side with, with massive massive pressure after being with West Ham and then I suppose Alisson making his way back from injury how do you think they've both fared? Yeah um Phenomenal, really. Like the Adrian story, like he was for the scrap heap, didn't have a club, and all of a sudden he was playing in the Super Cup final. Am I right? That's right. Yeah, it's first game, I think. Yeah. yeah so there you go. Amazing how football um, goes. And had we been stuck with Meg, say for that period of games, I would have think we'd have struggled. But for whatever reason, he comes in and he just uh, steps up to the challenge. I remember his first few games were his first couple of seasons at West Ham. He was excellent. And he was, there was a lot of talk about his distribution and everything else. So, clock is a uh, clock. <laughs> clock pulled off a woolly, bringing um, Adrian in, and he, he done, uh, he done very well. No, he done, he, he done excellent. He, you know, Keith, there was a couple of issues he had, you know, there was a couple of shaky moments, particularly one away to Southampton when he lets Ings in for a goal to get them back into the game. But he seemed to learn from that, didn't he? Like Allison did the previous season away at Leicester when he, when he kind of drops a bollock, let's be honest about it, and learns from it and doesn't let it affect him. He seemed to come in and, and seemed to become part of the squad very, very quickly, didn't he? And know what, know what was required and didn't let anybody down in those eight games. No, he certainly did not. And I mean, I think we sort of aren't giving him enough credit even because when he came on against Norwich, I think he only signed a couple of days before that. Do you know what I mean? Like he wasn't even training with the squad. So he literally coming from the cold and then to have to go on and come on for Alisson when he got injured. Absolutely brilliant. Um, it's, you know, an excuse from the beginning of the season was Liverpool lose key players and they'd be, they'd be fucked. We lose a keeper in the first game and it hasn't impacted us at all. He's, as you said, he's made a few mistakes, one or two along the way, but nothing that's been 
obviously not that's being uh, punished as such because we didn't lose anything. But you know, you can't ask for more than that. You are right about Minya Life. Minya Life had a start in those games. The fans would have been nervous. The, the, I'd say the team might have been a bit more nervous as well. Might have been sitting back, and I suppose it's no coincidence. We can see a lot more goals during that period. But the more he got in the team, the more he was playing, the more solid he looked. So yeah, couldn't have gone better really when you think about it. Yeah, I just think you know, like when you, when you look at you look at the season we are looking to have, you know, after losing the after losing the league on the last day of the season, okay, we go and win the European Cup. But then we're looking to really. I'm, there's no doubt we're looking to put a really, really fast start in, really solid, make a mark, and to have a goalkeeper go after 25 minutes. Some, some people probably thought, and listen, it's fair enough. Oh, Jesus, that's a massive miss. All right. Adrian has Premier League experience, but, but still coming in, playing West Ham, playing for West Ham and playing for Liverpool is night and day. You know, it's, it's, there's no comparison, but they both do brilliantly. And, and like Andy, Allison comes back, um, and he just looks like, it looks like he's been never, never been away, doesn't it? He's, you know, he's just come in, made some big saves, made some standard saves that he's expected to make, and but he spreads a massive confidence to the back four, doesn't he? Yeah, um, it, it is. It's his, it's his kind of leadership back there. Is how, how well he commands his area, the confidence that he brings to the team. In fairness, the last five or six games, he's, you know, he's barely had to do much at all. Um, I think it was the last. Was it the Leicester game? No, I'm trying to think back now. He he had to pull off a couple of saves, but uh, yeah, just I mean, there's something about that man. He he can make a little error, and it doesn't drag on till the next, you know, to the next time he's called upon. So um, that's what that's what top players do. And last year, he made a massive difference. It was I often talked about. The uh, points difference that like David Hayes uh, kind of gains for United, and what would happen to us if we brought brought in a top goalkeeper like that? Would you be looking at like a five point swing or a ten ten point swing? It's difficult to know because we're such a good defence now, but um, I'm absolutely sure like if we had a bad patch at the back, you know, we'd save us an awful lot of games. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Look, he's he's there when he when we need him. He could be freezing cold all game, and then. He'd, pro- he'd pop up with a save or he had to come off his line to take a ball and, and his distribution there. Like he's just everything about how we play. He's slotted in beautifully. Yeah. Just a couple of things on, on Adrian. Like Kevin Sullivan says, imagine the feeling he got saving that pen that won the Super Cup. What a sporting, sporting story that is in its own. And Chris Brax says, how did West Ham think that that clown Roberto was a better option than Adrian? It's really good because they suffered badly when they lost Fabianski, um, for a period this season. I think they ended up with, I think he was a former Liverpool goalkeeper in goal for one or two games, David Martin. Am I yeah, right? David Martin. Um, yeah, Alvin. Yeah, Glenar says that Adrian has made the save of the season so far. I'm presuming you're talking about the one away to Napoli. Um, oh, yeah. Where, where it's yeah. in the top. It's a brilliant one. Uh, Daz says Ali is the best goalkeeper in the world. Fact. Kevo Sullivan says the game you're looking for, Andy, is the Wofford game, um, where he makes a couple of saves. He thinks it's that one. Uh, but look, <laughs> the goalkeeper's really, really good in, in different ways for us this season. One standing in while our main man was out and our main man has come back and hasn't it looked like he hasn't been away. A little bit of rustiness. I think the biggest rustiness for me is probably with his feet. He doesn't look as good or as confident with his feet this season yeah. as he did last season. But look, um, it's just it's just one of those. It things could be just the injury just taking its toll on him as well. Maybe it, he just it could be that, or, be, more, or he could be you just, know, longer to get into it. Or he could be just being told, "Listen, don't prick around. You don't yeah. need to." Uh, but look, um, 
I think before we leave the keepers as well, mm. I have a bit of credit to John Achterberg because uh, he's took a lot of stick over the years for being a bit of a joke. Do you know what I mean? Because our keepers have always been a bit pony, but they seem to have a great uh, set up there now and nobody's complaining about them these days. Do you know Well, I'm sure people are, but it's not as vocal as it was. Do you know yeah. what I mean? With Achterberg, I mean, even the likes of Lonergan and Kelleher, Roy Boyle, they're not, Roy, Lonergan hasn't been seen. He has a good, strong in, uh, Instagram game, so we keep you informed on everything in the training ground, so fair play to him for that. And Kelleher, Roy, he's had a few shockers, but... You know, he's only a young lad getting in there. They've a good goalkeeping team at the club now. You know, it's it's good to see. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is good to see. And can and anyone a, even date back to where the whole thing about him came from? The John Achterberg thing came. I tell you where it came from. In my opinion, John Achterberg has been at the club a, a long time at this stage. And when Pepe Reina's tone and form went, I think what happened was the the goalkeeping coach that was there with Benitez left. Or ju- yeah, left just before right, Benitez yeah. left. Yeah. And Valera, was it? Yeah, Valera, and, yeah. Valera, yeah. And Agdeberg comes in, Reina falls off a cliff, and then you end up, he goes, uh, Mignolet, it's Brad Jones, um, you know, a couple of keepers come along, even a couple of promising ones. Um, there's one Italian fella, I know, Phil rated, and I can't remember, Ellie. Donny. Don't um, you have these and you see them all happening and every t- it just got to the stage where he went listen what's the common denominator keepers are falling off cliffs here um, and you know it's one of those where Actorberg got the blame now I'm not saying there wasn't a period where there was a change you know in, in the crossover there was probably bits and pieces went on with say Reina but when you see Mignolet has let go for 8 million and the only club looking to take him is Club Bruges I think that says a lot uh, Brad Jones has ended up in, in Holland I don't know where Donny is you know this sort of thing So, uh, but I think it just shows the setup from the top of the club to the bottom now in every yeah. single facet is absolutely brilliant yes I mean that'd be, that'd be totally, you could make that argument that keepers are coming in and regressing you know yeah. and, and then moving on and becoming like superstars again but that's not the case. It, like it's his criticism was totally unfair. Like there was a whole sort of circle of of fans against him for a long time. You know, just like any of the little corners of fans that want to spout negativity all the time. There was a, an obsession with their goalkeeping coach, and I mean, our own Phil Casey was probably one of them too. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, Phil, look, he loves the thing. If, if if there's two things he loves to talk about, it's it's American football and goalkeepers. Um, it's it's yeah. one of those, you know. But look, uh, Abby Hansen says Rain is shot stopping was horrendous once Valero had left. Uh, didn't only have a health problem in the end, says PW. I'm not too sure. Ray's are, uh, Ray Brady just comes in with the usual gavelar with loads of V's, loads of L's, loads of A's, and loads but of. But come more. here, like so. So, um, your man Valero has. Oh, Bogdan off, is another one as well. Sorry, I forgot him as well. Yeah. How could you forget? Go on, Andy. Yeah, so your man Valero fucks off and all of a sudden uh, Rain is shot stopping. Yeah, um, I think he took his gloves on him when he left. Can you honestly can you honestly start blaming the goalkeeping coach because of that? Um I don't know, but but you see the way you could look at that, Andy, is like if you're in work and you have a boss and he motivates you to work and then another fella comes in and he doesn't really motivate you, yeah, you could probably you could do that. It's it's the same as being in any job. If someone doesn't motivate you and the techniques aren't there to to push you, you can just get into a. I'm not saying it was done on purpose, but you can probably get into a, a period of, I suppose, just yeah, well, not laziness, but, but but just okay. you know easy it's easy a, going and it's it's kind of well settled and everything's running the mill. You know that kind of way. Yeah, yeah you could do. Had, that. You might have had a relationship with um with the previous goalkeeping coach, which helped them perform better. 
But you have to forget, you have to remember at, at that time, um, the Spanish players were kind of all on the way out. Like things were, things were kind of torn and sour for the Spanish players. They all kind of wanted out. No, I know. I, I know. Listen, I'm just, you're just asking the question. I think, I think it yeah. is quite possible that a certain goalkeeping coach may not push you or have the, the, the wherewithal to push you as a certain level of goalkeeper. Maybe that's it. But right now, you can't really put, you put that at the break. It could have been a mix of both. It could have been what was going on with Rafa. It could have been the, the stuff during, during, you know, Kenny's time, Hodgson, you know, different managers, different techniques, yeah. you know, it's, you, you don't know, but, uh, it's probably something we could look at again. Somebody says there that Donny actually had a stroke while Kenny was there. I, I didn't know that. Abby Hansen tells that I genuinely, if, if that happened, it completely passed me, boy. Um, look, let's get into the defenders. So I'm going to do them in groups. So I'm going to do fullbacks. So, you know, it's Trent and Robertson. They've been more or less ever present this season, unless Milner steps in here or there. Um, or Gomez goes out and do the odd job, but it's Trent and Robertson and, and Andy, quite possibly, if not undoubtedly, the best fullback pair in the world football at the minute. They've both been utterly outstanding. Yeah, um, last year there was a, there was a lot more competitive between the two of them for assists, and Trent seems to be kicking his arse this year. Well, there's only three in it. You think that? No, you think that? Yeah, it's not even three and it'll stop. Yeah. There? Well, I, I suppose. The Trent has eight and Robbo yeah. has six. It's not much Maybe in the league. Yeah, I thought it was a bit more. I thought he that said, "Yeah." Brave. But um, no, I think it could be as well. The the assist to assist, what are they called? Hockey assists. Trent seems to be doing an awful lot of damage um, from from rifle where he's playing it into a, a player who plays it in. And we score a goal, like you know, his influence over the game seems to you just have it like that. Robertson's kind of in the shadows a little bit. The balls are always fed out to Trent now, and Robertson seems to be left kind of a little bit isolated now. They, they, there isn't doesn't seem to be an urgency to get the ball out to Robertson as much anymore. Um, I just think Trent has just come on leaps and bounds this year. Like he's established himself now as probably the best fullback in the world. Yeah, he's the envy of everyone. You know, there's there's not often you can say that a team. Are actually playing through the right back. Yeah. I certainly can't remember a team that that's ever happened with. Um, I think Robertson is like just a more authentic fullback. That's what he is. He's a fullback and he does that job bloody well. But uh, what you have there with Trent is just a different animal. He's he's such a talented player who just happens to be playing right back, and he's reinvented the right back position. I, I feel. Um, we probably need to get away from those traditional, like positional terms when it comes to players like uh, Trent Alexander. Like you know, the argument about movement midfield—he already is playing in midfield. He's already playing an extremely creative role that Robertson probably doesn't play. But credit to the both of them. If you want to call them fullbacks and you want to call them a you know fullback pairing, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's another team in the world who could boast them two. Andy, oh, I, I've, we are talking about Trent um, after the Leicester game, um, when he was just phenomenal. To be perfectly honest with you, it was it was mesmerising watching him. What he was at, assists, the goal, he was he was just the passing, everything about him. And you know, the commentators at the time were raving about. We raved about him afterwards. Uh, I said after the game. I think he's the best right back in, in the world. I think he walks into any team in the world because when the 
top elite clubs look for a right full or right back. This is, if you're kind of prototyping, this, he is it. And I would never move him from right back. Now, I've seen you on Twitter the other day talking to a couple of people with regard to Trent Alexander-Arnold. What's your feelings on this? Because I would never move him from right back because the way we play, as you said, he's not a right back. He's basically a quarterback that just happens to be on the right-hand side of the pitch. What way do you see it? Um, well, I think that might have been when Matt, was he? It um, may have been. Matt was kind of saying that he won't be playing right back for much longer. Well, mm-hmm. like I disagree with that. I think if he was playing right back, yeah, He's far too, um, he's far too talented to be playing right back, but he's not really playing as a traditional right back. He's getting so much freedom. He's finding himself all over the pitch. He's coming into midfield. He's, you know, linking up with the attack. He's getting uh, shots on goal. He's crossing balls in from deep. He's crossing balls in from the byline. He's getting a huge, like a huge amount of freedom to play his football. Every single game you watch, like he's probably matching you're a deeper midfielder for amount of passes. So, is there any need to really move a player into midfield who's already kind of doing a hybrid job? Yeah, that's my point. You know, and like, you talk about... Most of the like, clubs, you know, Andy, most of the clubs, if they're playing football a certain way, will have their fullbacks that high up the pitch. They'll have their fullbacks high up the pitch, but he's just, he's that bit more involved than even that. But you, you see, know, we, we talk about, we, like Chris Brack makes a, a good point there. He said, Trent will only move from right back if Klopp is going to change how our midfield plays. Our midfield, for the majority, is functional. You know, it presses, it wins balls, it nicks balls, it passes well, it gets them, it gets the ball as quickly as they can to our full backs, in inverted commas, and our front three. I don't want to see Trent in the midfield running around chasing, pressing. I want to see him on right back and saying, <clears throat> if you want to stop us down the left or through the centre, you still have all this to worry about. I, I, I don't want to see that move. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have somebody on here uh, that would be, you know, a complete advocate for a midfield Trent and tell me where in the midfield do you want them to play? Do you want them to play the deeper role? Do you want them to play box to box? Do you want them to play maybe like Kate has been playing lately and carry the Glenn, ball? Glenn, on Glenn, and, I would like to see him in the six. His distribution would suit well, he reckons. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he'd do very well there, but mm. God, you're going to miss the crossing aspect. Yeah. <laughs> delivery is the be- his delivery is one of the best in world football at the moment. Like he has that whip that very few players can boast of. Like in, in the in the game at the moment, maybe Kevin De Bruyne, and then in the past Beckham and Stevie J. Like I don't know, put mm. him at the six, and he doesn't get into those. Advanced roles. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's loads of comments coming in here, and I'm, go- I'm going to get to Keith, and I'm going to give him Andy Robertson in a second. But uh, Abby Hampshire says there's no need to move him there yet, um, at least for a couple of years. He, re- he also reckons it depends on Hoover's development, um, which could enable Trent to play in midfield. Maverick says Trent is not a conventional right back; he is a brand new breed of right back. Um, in the future, it will be called the Trent Alexander Arnold role. Exactly a hybrid right back. Uh, Shaq says Trent can spin the ball better than the English cricket team. Uh, Kevin Sullivan makes the point that Danny Alves never a move from right back nor did Marcelo from left and you see how high they play Chris reckons that he's playing already in playing a similar position to what De Bruyne does so why move him he does hit a lot of ball he does hit a lot of ball um, from areas that you would see 
um, De Bruyne do it just in off the right hand touchline and whipping balls in. He does do similar to that. Uh, Chris Brax says Kev Walsh on, on the Anfield rap is a big advocate of Trent moving the midfield. He may be, but I'm a big advocate of never moving from there. I think if we continue to play this football, he's an absolute weapon where he is. And I think where if you were to move him into midfield, you take a little bit of that away, like Andy said. Uh, what else? Trav, you're on it. You're just on one more, one hmm. more point. Like we're, we're a team now that you look at last night. Um, Milner ran something like 13 and a half kilometers. Mm. We're a team that works very, very hard on the ball. Now I know like when you're, when you haven't got the ball, you work a bit harder, but I think we work, we work extremely hard on the ball as well in terms of getting the moving around quick and making runs. But what Trent does, he, he makes the ball work very hard. He gets the ball into positions that it can, it will take kind of two or three passes normally. So, you know, in terms of how we play and how we uh, go about our game, Trent makes the ball work hard and kind of gives the gives the players um, a little bit less to do. Yeah, um, Maverick. The final point on it, Maverick says, absolutely no need for Trent to move to midfield. What's more likely is that we source different types of midfielders that continue to allow Trent's hybrid right right back role to evolve. Going on to Andy Robertson, uh, Keith. Um, you know, we've talked about his assist and. You know, I was watching a video earlier of Grizz, who was on 90minute.com, discussing the best, I think it was actually the best left, but it was, best left back in the world. Yeah. And there was lads on there where I mentioned, um, uh, the lads, the the, the lad at Barcelona, um, Alba, who's a terrific left back and stuff like that. But. And Alba, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, different, different types of players, but again, you know, I'm going to put it out there. I think he's the best left back on the planet as well. Because, as Grizz pointed out quite correctly, his will to win, his energy, his engine. Um, but not only that, he's a good footballer. He has assists. He's cool when when he gets into those positions. Look at Salah's goal last night. He times it to perfection. The weight of his perfection. He has everything, doesn't he, Keith? And it, like, what is he? Is he twenty six, twenty seven years of age? Is he twenty six? Maybe. Uh, I think he's in around that. Um, I don't look at players' ages, but I'm, is he okay? Twenty four. Um, it, it, loads of room to improve there, but just when you look at what Trent does as a nearly a complete footballer on one side, Robertson on the left is just no nonsense, up and down, up and down. And as Mourinho said when he played against Liverpool last season, um, you know he got tired watching him. That's how good he was. How good is he, and how good can he get? I sensational to be honest. To me, this is the year, the Andy Robbo year, because. Well, Trent's getting all the headlines for the play, and rightly so. Robertson is turning into the snidiest little player we have, and I, for one, absolutely love it. It's a something that we haven't really had over the years, and Andy Robbo has decided now that he's the man for that. And tell you, couldn't be happier. Didn't see it coming from him, to be honest. Thought he was a nice, quiet little Scottish chap, but uh, now it turns out he's a little bollocks, which I'm all for. <laughs> but. He's, his play when you look at Liverpool playing he plays a lot higher up than Trent does Trent will sit back that little bit and look to get his crosses in from deep but Robbo is constantly overlapping and getting to the boy line and it's just such an outball for Trent even like how many goals do we get from Trent switching and do that him left torn and trying to see where it's going the next thing Robbo's gone like a greyhound down the wing it's it's just beautiful to watch. You know, it, I agree, best full back, best left back in the world, the best full back player in the world. I watched the thing with Grizz earlier as well, and, uh, some of the shouts, Benjamin Mendy and all, like, you're joking me. Some, some mad shouts. 
Now, there's, there's nobody that's uh, touching this fella. To be honest, Alba is good, but Alba, best years are behind him. The same with Alba at uh, Bayern Munich, best years behind him. I think Robbo's the best boy at country more. Yeah, he is, and, and Mendy's mentioned that at City, I think he had, he started off magnificently at City, he's been very unlucky with injuries, but he's nearly become a little bit of a parody because he's talked about more about social media than he does his football at this stage. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, with, with Andy Robertson, I know where you're coming from, uh, the confidence that he's gained from being in this Liverpool side and he's able to come out on social media and say different things and he just, he does it in a certain way that it doesn't, he doesn't get himself into trouble but he makes his point and I, I love it. I love someone that has that confidence and we went on for years about not having players that had the bottle or, or the, 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 the balls are supposed to stand up the players on the pitch and stuff like that. You watch Andy Robertson and he's come up against the best Messi. He's come up against Neymar and he hasn't backed off an inch. He just refuses oh, to. And disrespect he showed Messi that time. Yeah, yeah. And, and didn't care. And got, in, got interviewed after the semi-final and basically went, yeah, who, you know, uh, met Suarez done you there and Messi and he went, yeah, but who's in the final? You know, so he's, he's, he's one of those. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's had an outstanding season. There's going to be a lot of players like that in this, in this review where he's just, they've just had a, an outstanding season because that's how it's gone. But can I ask you this? How yeah. many do you think, how many of Robertson's assists have come from Trent's balls? Um, I don't know. I would suggest. Uh, you'd probably have to go and look her up. I would suggest that quite a few of them have come off Van Dyke's though. It seems to be a very, very big ploy yeah, where man, where Mane drops, Mane drops in centrally a little bit, pulls a full back slightly and, and Robertson's around the back and, and Van Dyke's looking for that all the time. Um, mm. Jar says easy on the Alibut stuff. He's only 27. He has lots in the tank. Um, let me see. As good as Cafu and Roberto Carlos pair at fullback. Slightly different than what he do for me. Um, Cafu, brilliant engine up and down, really cultured footballer. I don't think he has the, the on, on the ball, um, prowess that Trent has. Left back Carlos, fucking weapon of a left foot. Again, up and down, up and down. I don't know, it's very hard to compare, but right now, I wouldn't swap either of them for anything. I really wouldn't. And, Andy, moving on, moving on to centre halves, Andy, and I suppose, it's Virgil van Dijk in one category and then you have the other three in the other and it's not because of ability. Well, it probably is, but it's to do with injuries and, and consistency and stuff like that. What are you making of this season? Because, you know, Virgil has been, you know, he's eight, nine, ten out of ten every week. Then you're looking at Matip starts off the season, gets injured. Lovren comes in, gets injured. Gomez, who had a shaky start when he came in and was trying to, you know, get games under his belt, look shaky. He's come in now and looked fabulous for the last what half a dozen games or so? Yeah. What way would you What way would you rank them this season? Well, as you you often get uh, get said that no matter who plays next to Van Dijk, they end up being um, quality, which is a little it's kind of serves a bit of a disrespect towards the player that comes in because credit to Matip, credit to Lovren when he's played, and credit to Gomez, they've held their own as well. And one thing about this season. I'm not saying Van Dijk has, has uh, dropped off at all, but he certainly last year he was just invincible. And this season, there's been times where he's might have looked a bit more human than he did last year. I think it might be to do with the high line, and he's he's got himself in uh, one-on-one situations a lot where, look, it's a 50-50 scenario. He's been excellent in 90% of them. But whoever's played beside him, whether it's been Matip, Gomez, or Lovren, they've all bailed him out. A couple of times, yeah. And credit to them, they've been excellent. There was a couple of games there when where Lovren was uh, was even better than them. And la- at the end of last season, there was a uh, quite a few games, a run of games where Matip was better than them. 
And uh, Gomez now in the last three games, I'd say, has really come back to Gomez as a, as he was pre last Christmas, and he's been excellent. So I I don't like to hear that comment about you know whoever plays next to Van Dijk, because anyone could play there. You could play a granddad there. It's a bit unfair on the players who uh, who themselves have been excellent. So look, I like Gomez above them all. I think for a team like we play that plays high that has to make a few recoveries that sometimes if there's a loose ball in midfield and it gets played forward and it's a 1v1 scenario uh, Gomez is the one with all the pace and I think Gomez is the one that just looks like a class act beside Van Dijk if uh, Gomez can can stay fit I think there's probably no better pair in the, in the world again and Maybe we're getting carried away, like, by saying we're the best goalkeeper in the world, we're the best full-back partnership in the world. And I'm saying, I'm saying it now, we've the best centre-back partnership in the world. But look, at the moment, this is our heyday now. Like, this is, this in, in our generation, this is the best Liverpool team. And right now, they're favourites for everything. They're favourites for the league. They're favourites for the Champions League again. Um, they're the envy of everyone. Every player in the world wants to play from It's realistic to suggest anybody could play for Liverpool right now as long as they have the work rate required um, but I, I think Gomez and Van Dijk once they're once they're both fit Gomez is fit um, there's not there's nothing to touch them no, I, I agree with you on, on the Gomez thing um, Maverick asks is this a review what about the Everton game we will touch on the Everton game later absolutely Um Chris says whoever's partner in VVD has stepped up because they know there is competition there's competition but the, the funny thing is the player that comes in is the one that's targeted all the time because you don't go near you don't go near Van Dijk and Robertson most of the game, so you are targeted and you, you probably have to be more on it than Van Dijk and Robertson are over that side of the pitch. Um, you know, Matip starts off well, gets the injury. I'm getting a bit worried over him um, just because of the length of time he's out. Lovren hasn't surprised me that he's out, and it won't surprise me how long he'll be out for. The, the, the fact that Phillips has been taken back from Germany um, is a real worry. Um, that's that that's break glass fucking stuff. You know what I mean? When when you're bringing back a player that's out on loan um, in a centre half position, so them two is a worry for me. Uh, Maverick says VVD is a phenomenon, pure and simple. To think he's been under the radar till Klopp came along is amazing. Uh, Gomez and VVD, uh, no better partnership in Europe. Pace the bone says Daz. Um, Keith, you know we, we leave Van Dijk because he's just been outstanding. Um, but uh, does this does this matter? Lovren thing worry you? Um, and you know, are you are you apart from what's going on with them two? Are you just hoping that Gomez stays fit for obvious reasons? But we're only but for himself as well because I do feel he has a chance to basically say to Jurgen Klopp, "Me and Virgil Van Dijk are going to look after this for the next five years, and nobody's touching us." Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first point like with Matip and Lovren, they do have histories of getting injured and then. Not exactly getting back quick, you know. Matip must be out bleeding, jeez, nearly half a season gone now, you know. He's a, he's a real worry because it's never seemed serious when he goes out and then he's gone for months on end, and um, which is a shame because I think the whole thing with Nat Phillips, oh, I just think it's a case of, right, these two could be another month or two, but before they're all back and we need another body in there. And that's why I'd say Nat Phillips is after getting the, the call back. I was just looking there at the ages of them. You know, Van Dijk's 28, Matip's 28, Lovren's 30. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see us go big on a centre-back in the summer. Maybe a younger centre-back just to 
to um, to blow the in there. But if if let's say we had all four of these lads fit and fit and ready to go, which we never seem to do, but if he did, like, would you be worried with a, a, a Gomez and Matt partnership for a few games? I wouldn't. Do you know um, what I mean? Or a Lovren, whereas before I certainly would have been, but I think now the confidence levels in everybody has just gone up. I, I don't think it, you know, I'm not talking about an extended period, I'm not about two games or even a game, you know what I mean? Whereas before, Van Dijk can't be rested because we've only ever got one other centre back available. Yeah, not for 16 points clear, you know, winning the game in hand, it wouldn't be. Ah. But you wouldn't want to have a sustained period of time without Van Dijk, in my opinion. I'm not talking about injury wise, but lads, I'm saying more, you know, for a rest. I tell you, know you what I mean? I, I yeah. thought they were fit. Now I think if you, you were to pair two with the other three up for a game or two, I think it wouldn't be an issue now. Lovren would be, be my worry. And I th- the yeah. reason why, and listen, don't get me wrong, Lovren's had some really, really good games this season. He's dropped one or two, um, he's, he's made one or two mistakes, you know, I think away at Genk, I think it was. He just decided he was the best defender in the world and then decided he didn't want to defend anymore. That's his and, problem. And, and, and that's my worry because he becomes, there's a lot of him where he's front foot and he's aggressive and he, he's a decent turn of pace and he wins balls. And then there's a Lovren that's over, overcompensates and goes beyond front foot and gets caught under balls, gets caught in around the, the sides and around the back and stuff like that. He'd be my worry. Matt, I think is the coolest head out of the three of them. Um, yes. Lo- Gomez has, you know, I, I know you, you look at who, who has the, the biggest, the highest bar they can reach or the highest ceiling they can reach. And Gomez is the easy one because he's 23 or 24 years of age. Um, and that's probably an easy argument to make because, oh, look, he's five, six or eight, eight years younger than one of them anyway, or uh, six years younger, sorry. So, love him would be my worry there. If you, if you, if you were to give me a, a Van Dyke out, I would be looking at Matip and Gomez. I think they complement each other well. One is very calm, and like you said, one has pace to absolutely born. But again, we, we've managed that well, Andy, haven't we? You know, this has happened at a crucial enough part of the season, and they've happened on top of each other, and we seem to have managed it fairly well, and, and hopefully this sorts itself out in the next four to six weeks. Yeah, I think it will. Like, Klopp always finds a way. When we didn't sign the centre half and there was talk of Lauren even leaving in um, August, you know, fans are piling in and saying Klopp has taken risks and everything else. But when Alan's played there, Fabino's played there, I wouldn't have any problem with one of the other youngsters coming in there as well. I'm sure they'd be fine. We don't defend for long periods of games. We're not as reliant on really good centre backs. We just want them someone decent there that can, can mop up when needs be. Um, I do think, and I've probably been saying it for a couple of summers, between Matip and Lovren, I think one of them will will probably have to go. Yeah, Cop 80 says Lovren will go in the summer. Yeah, we can't have this scenario every season where neither of them can, can maintain their fitness. Like, it's constantly being a juggle between the two of them. He was kind of Next up. Now you've Gomez, you've Gomez in the picture now since last season. But between the two of them, it's, it's not even like one of them has to have a stinker and then the other one just gets in. It's just, one gets injured and then the other one gets in and then before you know it, um, before you know it, the, the other player's in and then they get injured. So I'd, I'd, uh, 
I'd like to see I'd like to see someone different coming in that can at least be fit and at least that takes that extra concern now um, going forward so I would suppose the, the likely one more so would be Lovren because he was nearly gone and uh, just bring in just bring someone of a reasonable standard that can fucking be there when needs be and yeah, you listen to violin playing in the background. Yeah, well, I lower it down. Well, I fucking you if you could, please. You know what I mean. I feel like I'm fucking in last of the summer wine here. Um, uh, there it's gone. Thanks. It was just really screeching in my ear. But look again uh, as an overview on on the on the back four. They've performed really well. I think we may have conceded the least amount of goals in the league now at this stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I in think the I, top five legs in Europe, I think, is the best defence. Yeah, so there you go. They've, they've all performed well when they've had to come in and out. Our only worry at the moment will probably be just getting either Matip or Lovren back just to having the squad. If you're going to stick with Gomez, just get one of them back just for that little bit of security. Now, midfield. So this is where it's gone. Fucking fireworks will probably go off, right? But <clears throat> I want to take them in a group again. So... um I'm going to put I'm going to put Henderson and Fabinho in the same group because although Henderson at the back end of last season starts in that advanced role and continues into this season, um, could, Andy's watching the late late shows with Kevin Sullivan. Andy, you are not, are you? Is I'm not watching that. I'm fully concentrating on this podcast. Uh, was that the late late show you had on? Yeah. Oh, I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't put it on because we're talking about Marion Finucane. Oh, right, notions, no problem. <laughs> right, um, but take taking taking um you know Henderson starts the season in that advanced role. Fabinho there in a, co- um, a couple of weeks back holds himself. He's out. He's back running now. But I've heard so. You know he's he's on the road to recovery, and hopefully we see him by the end of January. That's my hope. But I'm gonna I'm gonna class them two in together because Henderson, I think the standout games from although he was good in that advanced role, I think the standout games from has been in the six. So Andy, the both of them hit me because I think Fabinho was absolutely awesome until he until he got injured and I think Henderson has just continued that on. Am I wrong or am, am I deluded? Tell me I'm wrong. What could you be wrong about there? Um, they've both been excellent in that role. Um, it, it's hard to know like how how this has all come about. Like Henderson is certainly playing that sixth role a little bit differently than he has done in the past. Um you know, previously he's been a lot more uh, robotic, like just you know recycling the ball, you know, getting the balls out to the creative players and Trent and Robertson. But this season, he's like you know, since he's come in, since Fabinho's went, he's become a bit more of a playmaker, and he and he's getting the license to spray balls and show that he can pass balls. He's played some of the best balls of the season after, I suppose, Trent, his range of passing. Has been excellent, and for a long time, like fans were criticising him, saying that what are standout strengths? He's not able to pick out a pass. He's not able to do this, that, and the other. And I mean, I knew he could because he has done it for Liverpool before uh, when he came in, and especially uh, 13, 14 when his um, his range of pass was excellent, and he was instrumental in that title push that year. And when, when he did get uh, suspended, I think that's where our league challenge really failed. Um, but now, uh, the way he's played that deeper role in recent games has been excellent. And yeah, the way he's played in the advanced role has been excellent. So, absolute, um, 
such an important player right now is Henderson. And the last couple of days we've, we've listened to people talking about how he's finally got the recognition. Well, he got recognition for a long time from most of the fans. Uh, most people valued him and appreciated him and listened to the manager. And when the manager talked about how important he is, but uh, the other people, the the ones that didn't, weren't so supportive of him, the pennies dropped. So, good news. Good news. Um, yeah, Keith, you know, when you look at you look at Henderson, um, and people have said we haven't missed Fabinho, do you know what? I disagree a little bit because I think we've had to chop and change in midfield a little bit too much for Klopp's liking, although it has worked. But when you look at, like, I think Andy's covered them too brilliantly, you know, they've, they've both played absolutely brilliantly, and we're hoping that one of them will be back by the end of, by the end of January. Keith, I'm going to give you, um, when Aldam is obviously another one in there, and I'm going to drop Kate in there beside him. Now, when Aldam, has looked tired at times. He's been exceptional at times. He's been really good at times. Um, no, I'm not going to say go as far as saying a mixed season, but his levels have dropped a little bit at times, and that's absolutely fine. He had a, a mad amount of games at one stage when he was literally playing for Holland every minute for Holland, and then coming back and playing every minute for us. So I think when Aldam, you know, eight out of ten for the season so far, and hopefully kicks on and, and continues that for. But I want to give you Kate. And Keith, the reason I want to give you Kate is because he splits opinion amongst us, amongst us in the LFC Day Troopers. Um, you know, I think he, he definitely splits opinion in the fan base. For me, I love him as a player. I think he has all the ability in the world. It's getting him on the pitch. He got on there and showed glimpses. Not even, more than glimpses. I think it's unfair to say glimpses. I think he showed the quality he has. He was he was assisting. He was scoring. He was he looked great. He pulls out of the game um, last night due to uh, what he felt as groin after hitting a shot in the warm up. How's he been for you? Um, and just take around the games he's played because we knew he was being nursed back. And what do you hope this injury is? Is it just something minimal, Keith, that he can come back and just it's just a little blip in the road and might do him good, a little bit of good, that another another little week off and get going again for sports. What have you made of him? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a fan of Nagy Keith. Um, I like what he can bring to the team and what he has shown when he's got the the runs of games that he needed. Now, when that was last season, the back end of last season, he started to come into his own and then there just before Christmas he was starting to come into his own but it's the same old thing with him it's, it's you know these little niggly injuries and um, I think he's been unfortunate because he's he's last season he was picking up a bit of form and then he got a knock at the end of the season but then when he went off to the the AFCON your man he was ruled out for two months and the Guinea manager rushed him back after about five days mm. didn't help him out at all set him yeah. back and he's constantly now chasing and chasing his tail He's, uh, what I'd say about him at the moment is he's an excellent squad option to have. He's something different to all the other midfielders. We don't have one like him. Um, I think, in fact, the nearest thing we're going to get one will be Minamino when he comes in. In that he'll be able to carry the ball, he'll be able to be players, and he'll be very, um, forward thinking. You know, all our, all our midfield, midfielders have certain qualities and, you know, they, they are, all our forward thinking, despite what people say, they're all very, very attack minded, but um, not overly sorry, not overly attacking minded. But you know, their their first thought is to get the ball forward. Even Henderson, despite what people will say, uh, Fabinho was always looking to get in there. Kate is the one that you know more so than Oxley Chamberlain. Um, I just think his his dribbling ability is, is something that we don't have in the others. And 
I'd love to see him get in a run of games. But the question about that is, he doesn't get into our best team at the moment. Our best midfield, when all are fit for me, is Fabinho, Henderson and Wijnaldum. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big Naby Keita fan, but I can't see him breaking that midfield. So he's a squad option, and it'll be a stick that's used to beat £53 million pounds for a squad option. Had to wait a year for him for a squad option. Um, we were told he was this, and he's you now a squad option. But there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if he can get him fit and get him getting forward and he'd be an excellent addition to that midfield and he might move other people out of midfield down the line but at the moment you know still waiting for him really to to blow us away hasn't happened yet but plenty of time he's only about 24 as well he's not old no, he's not old, and and no. look, I think you're right. I think that the whole injury thing, like a lot of people have come in here. Uh, Shaq says he's absolutely brilliant, and a clever, clever player. He's just been unlucky with injuries. Uh, Chemical Kev says Kate is fantastic to watch recently. Very graceful on the ball. Somebody else does come in there and go, look, you can't even rank him because of the inconsistency in his availability. Um, Rocket says we just need patience with him. He's a quality player, but unlucky with injury. Love watching him. Yeah, listen, we've seen players come back from injury being nursed through very well, and a little twinge comes here. There. It happens all the time. The problem is, and I have said this before, if it continues this season and into next season, then it's just yeah. he is an injury prone player. And how yeah. much uh, how much standing can you give him in a squad if it continues to go on like that? Andy, Lalana and Oxley Chamberlain are the other two. Um, I, I'm going to leave Milner for last, um, and I'm, I'm going to take Milner myself. Lalana and Lalana and Oxley Chamberlain. Um, Lalana in the last couple of weeks has come in, put in some really good performances. Um, I, I think he's just one of those where he's going to drop in and out of games between now and the end of the season. You'll probably see him in 10, 12 of the 18 games that's left in substitute appearance and stuff like that. But uh, fair play to him. Oxley Chamberlain, another injury has come along and although it's not as, you know, prolonged and, and, as the case of situation, it's happened to him again. He's very unlucky. But what have you made of both of them this season? Yeah, well, look, Lalana's just been a bonus. The fact that we've been able to bring Lalana in and he got the equaliser against United, and he's yeah, he's had a couple of other impact performances as well. It's for me, it's just been a bonus to give other players a rest. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. To just have someone come off the bench and, you know, Keith talked about the Snide from Robertson earlier on. Well, Lalana pisses the opposition off yes. as well. Yeah. Even though he's seven stone wet through, he does annoy people. Yeah, he jumps into players and he, yeah, he makes a nuisance of himself. And look at, Unfortunately, his career didn't go quite the way you would have hoped with Liverpool. Started off not too bad, but um, ravaged with injuries. I think fans got on his back over all of that and still was control. I probably never really pictured him coming back in and playing as many games he has this season, even even though he's not to play too many. But he's um, yeah, okay, can't fault him. He certainly hasn't been shy when he's when he's played, and he's been asked to play different roles from under Klopp that people would have never imagined him kind of doing. He's, he's a lot more, much more of a grafter now than he was under uh, Rogers. And then of course, Ox, I'm a massive Ox fan. I think 
between him and Kate, the, they're the two kind of players, and obviously Mina Mino now who can do it, who can carry the ball from midfield to attack, and um, just just do that without a pass. Uh, they pull defenders on the back foot and drag uh, defenders out of position, and that that's what Klopp, sorry, that's what Ox offers, and um, and. I just think it's it's unfortunate from that he's picked up the injury, but again, he was starting to find the same sort of form as he had two seasons ago. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully he can come back and have a bit of a say. I mean, between the two of them, you, you obviously want Ox back a hell of a lot more uh, because he can have such an impact and such an important. He can become such an important player. Like he never used to even score. For Arsenal, even though they talked him up as an attacking player, he never used to score or assist or anything. And since he's played for us, he's been phenomenal in that department. So, um, yeah, again, another quality uh, player in the squad. Yeah, uh, Rocket says there, we don't win a league without the likes of Lalana. It's plain and simple. I know where he's coming from. You need players to come in. Um, Kev says... The, the just squ- say something on, on, the, on all those options there. Keep kind of, you know, brought up Kate and mention them as a, a squad option. Mm. Like, you have a lot of players there who would expect to play a lot of football now. You know, when you look at Ronaldo, Henderson, Fabinho, Keita, mm. Minamino coming in, Ox, um, Milner, Lalane. That's eight players there, is it? In around, yeah. I think it is three, eight. Three when, you when you add Minamino in, yeah. Uh, fucking hell, like, that's three positions. Yeah, but the, listen, that's that's all about how 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 good you you manage your squad and how tight the squad are. You know, they do look like a squad that if if we've three games a week or you know seven eight games in a month and one fella plays one and the other fella plays seven, you know the, the you know the fella that's playing all the games in the month probably isn't putting in as much work and training as the fella that's doing one. The fella that's doing one is not being disheartened by it. He's putting yeah. everything he possibly can in for the squad because he knows come match day, what he's done Monday to Friday is helping whoever's playing anyway and he's ready to go. You look at the other night, Keita pulls out a 10 to 8, Andy. Milner is on yeah. the sub and Milner says straight after, no, we're always in the right, right mind mindset we're ready to go all I had to do was literally take my fucking tracksuit off and I'm good it's not like yeah. I need give me a 10 minute tactical briefing he just went and said yeah 10 minutes yeah we're kicking off in 10 minutes and not long went. That. dropping something like that happens I mean but years ago when Gerard was playing in Kagger you could tell by them the body language and some of the expressions they knew some of the shy bags they were playing with went up to it and they wouldn't be passing to them or they would be you know Getting on that case after every every mistake, like he had him. Lalana comes into this team, like there's nobody thinking. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, the fans are thinking about the players. You can tell they just get on with it. They all. It's a small squad, but they all seem to trust each other. They all know each other's ability, and I think that's shown. Mm. We lose Lalana, we lose Kate, we lose Ox, but we'll always sort of have one of them. And even then, like as, as Andy said, that's eight midfielders for three positions. We we throw Shaq in there into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't think Shakiri's played yeah, enough. I don't. I don't think Shakiri's played enough this season to rate him. Um, oh, and, no, no. And, and, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you know, he's another option that even though we only have these fellas that miss him for games yeah. and games like that, they're all coming in and doing a stint and getting us through our supposed patches. You know, we've got to now, and they've all done a solid for us. We're only halfway there, Gav. Yeah, I know. I know, but like so far, this I I can't do a review of the season, you know, a full season in December. 
And for me, you know... Well, you I, can't because... Uh, no, I can't. Uh, Mina Mina is going to be deadly. Yeah, well, I'm going to go on to him, but, but look, overall, the, the, it's been, it's, it, some, the majority of the midfielders when we need them have stood up and played. I include Lallana in that Oxlade Chamberlain times. There's been a bit of unfortunate, fortunate circumstances with regards to injury, and that happens, but we seem to be covering it quite well. Got, uh, Milner, um, I love him. Absolutely love him. Um, everything he does, he'll play left back, he'll play right back. He comes in there on 10 minutes and notice the other day, not a bother to him. He's lashing, he's, he's, he's taking the piss with penalties. He's, he, he, someone else said there earlier, you don't win a league with the, without the likes of a Lalana coming in, in. You definitely don't win it if you don't have the likes of a Milner. Because for me, on the pitch, he's done absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. He's had some brilliant games. He's had some just, Bog standard six out of tens when you need him to do a job. He's done something in between both of them at times. But I'd say his influence off the pitch is off the scale. And I mean off the scale because I think he's just that hard working, that professional and that driven. Because you have to remember, all right, he's won a league title. He's probably won two league titles two. at, at, at two, City. Yeah. Um, I think he's won two. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's, he's, he's won two at that City. But I can tell you something, and I know I'm not putting City's league titles down. Milner's looking at this going 33, going 34, a new contract, and I could literally go down as, you know, an absolute hero at this club, like every member of that yeah. 25-man squad will do if they go and win the title. And he's just so fucking driven. And he's a massive, massive asset to this club. Not this season, not only this season, but next season. And seasons beyond, wherever role he's in, because yeah. I would hate to see him finish his contract in Liverpool, let him go and do something else. I'd love to see yeah. him involved. You know, because people go on about, oh, Gerrard and, and Alonso and, and Hippie. Listen, Milner is the sort of fella that if you gave him the under eights to fucking manage, he'd be in at six in the morning putting stuff in place and, and, and making sure that these under eights are as fucking drilled and driven as he is. I, I just love the man from absolutely, from day one to, to, to whenever he decides to, to hang up the boots. I absolutely love the man. Uh, Rocket says Milner is a champion, a true leader, 100% heart, desire and influence. He's so important to us. Milner, uh, Chris reckons that Milner is clearly loving him more at Liverpool than he did at City. And Jerry says Milner's work ethic is class. See the vid when they were playing, keep all going mad. Yeah, he's just he's so professional. Um, what was that? Keep all going mad? Uh, when they were playing keep ball, he was going mad during uh, the game. So uh, um, just a little drill. Go on, Andy. Do you know know we on the club we discussed uh, it, um, a question that was asked about who Klopp would sign? Oh, you love this yeah. question, Andy. Yeah, I just thought it was an amazing question, and uh, it, it was very top. It was a listener to this show, uh, Carl Duffy. Just be on watching on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, top question. Fair play to Carl, but um, it, you know to kind of think about. You know, to get into Sawyer Klopp's head and think what he would, who he would have signed and who he would have picked. I think he would have signed Milner years ago. Yeah. Like, if he knew what he knows about Milner now, he would have signed him for Liverpool years ago. And what he would give now, I'd say, to get a 20 year old Milner into the team, mm. um, you just cannot say enough good things about Milner. It's, it's really struck me this season, thinking about it, how important Milner is and how uh, how you need these leaders, how you need these winners and to just have his book there and all, again like everything about him is just he, he sleeps and breathes football and um, an absolute yeah, an absolute, he's going to go down as a legend and I don't say that lightly, he's going to go down as a legend we, we, we signed three players in the past who, who worked out very well like McAllister 
but uh, they became they were a little bit on the kind of uh, cult side, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we fell in love, yeah, we fell in love with them for modern football reasons, but purely football and purely what he gives. Like, he kind of Milner what what Milner does for the team. He's like represents the fans so well. I know he's not a scouser, but his um his ethos and how he for me anyway how he resonates with the Liverpool people and what he gives for the club he just represents the club so well and I just wish we had him for a bit longer so yeah Milner but when he signed his contract it was like I'm sure everyone celebrated you know how often get that one uh, was he 42 43 year old signs a new uh, two year deal you know yeah, totally true. I mean, totally true. I mean, why a man signing a new two-year deal? You know, and that that says loads from. He's just stepped up. I agree with Andy there. You know, he does. He epitomizes everything that Klopp and Klopp's teams are all about. Like I'd say, yeah, if if Klopp knew what he was. Like, Keith at the break in his internet, isn't he, Andy? Yeah, Keith keeps going in and out there as he's talking. Um, he well, I think Keith's like, watching a uh, watching. The late, the late, late show. on the internet. Yeah, yeah, that that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Can you stop streaming the uh, the, the, the late late on Nilo sat there and uh, just come back to the show? Um, look, lads, we have to go on to the forwards, right? Um, and you know, grouping them into four: Andy, um, Mane, Salah, Firmino, Origi. I think Mane has been our best forward this season. I I don't think there's much argument. I think yeah. Salah has blown hot and cold a little bit, but. Is starting to really, really look good. I think the most contentious one is probably Firmino and Origi's come in and out when he's needed to, but they're just doing their job, Andy, aren't they? And, and they're starting to yeah. look like it, even, even when they need to drop Origi in every now and then, it's starting to look a lot more natural. Yeah, there's not an awful lot you can say about Mane other than he's just, he's the best footballer in the world at the moment. Um, and you couldn't pick a single weakness in this game. He's, Unfucking believable. So you don't have to spend an awful lot of time talking. Salah, on the other hand, yeah, he started off the season a little bit slow, but he was still cropping up a couple of goals and assists. And I think he's done that. This is a third season with Liverpool. He's, he started, he's always started off a little bit slow, but he's still, um, he's still unfucking believable. Like he's still one of the top scorers in the league, and he's still, he's still having the impact uh, throughout games. For me, you know, I think he's always blown a bit hot and cold. It's only now because we're so good, it gets a bit, it gets highlighted a bit more that if somebody's not quite performing to one hundred and ten percent, for instance, that they're getting noticed. But you have to remember, even when even when Firmino's not playing well and he's not coming up with goals or he's not coming with you know to create creative game, you know, game that we get used to when he's on form. He's still doing an awful lot. He's still dragging the players around. He's impossible to mark. Like, you know, this idea of a false nine, you know, it's very difficult for for the opposition to know exactly how to hand them. Do they follow him out? Who do they pass him on to? Is the player to pass them on to already busy with somebody else? So I thought last night his movement was formidable. I thought it was brilliant his movement, but it's just... His touch was off, and his and his weight and his pass was a little bit off. Other than that, he was he was excellent. 
Yeah, I think I think the goal return is is one thing that can be thrown out of Mandy. Um, although when you actually look at the amount of chances he gets and converts, it's probably a decent conversion rate. But at times I feel that Liverpool being so good, people have to pick something from somewhere. And the Firmino thing is an easy thing to do when you look yeah. at the amount of games he's played and got, and goals scored and stuff like that. But Listen, we I think we may have scored the most goals in the league as well. I think we're fairly close to it. I think it's either us or City, if I remember rightly. Leicester are there thereabouts as well, but there's nothing wrong with our goal scoring records this season. I think I think we're twenty games in. I think I think Mane has eleven and Salah has ten, would I be right? Yeah. Yeah, I think City scored more than us both second ahead of Leicester. Yeah. So but but like it, there's nothing wrong with the goal scoring things, you know. Origi has been used quite sparingly I think throughout the start of this season but uh, and sorry the first half of the season but going into the second half of the season I can see him being more involved and and when I always find when teams tire and they do in the second half of the season the levels drop in the second half of the season for me for most teams Origi's perfect because he's so big strong direct fast and he'd be like he, like he'd literally just he's on, I'd say the cunt is on charge ready to go for Sunday because we're playing Everton you know it's one of those but overall lads um Andy, give me give me a give me a rating now of ten for that for for the for the squad so far on this um halfway through this season. For the squad? Yeah. We couldn't possibly get them less than ten. Okay. I would have let you give them eleven. Twenty then. Well no, I was not no, I said eleven, Andy, don't like you know what I mean? Right. They can have they can have the maximum amount no matter what that maximum is. Okay. Uh, I I cannot reinforce this point enough. This is the best Liverpool team of your life. Uh, it depends and on what you are. No, it doesn't. No, it does. It all depends okay. what happens. It okay. all depends what they have in their hands come May, because they can be as fucking good as they want if they're if they're not if they're not lifting shiny things in May. They won't go down as the best team you've ever. Well, seen. they've lifted they lifted yeah. three shiny things in the last six months. Not the one that matters. And, and the one that they're matters. Flutes in the hand in May because they the one that, <laughs> the one that matters. The one that matters. They have uh, they have one hand. Um, on it already, and let, let's not make any yeah. bones about it. That uh, if we if that was another team, we have handed them the league already. Yeah, City are waving the white flag. Yeah, they're going through the motions now. They yeah. don't look the same team. No, Leicester cannot touch us. No, it's going to take something of catastrophic fucking proportions. Like oh, yeah, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To prevent us winning the league, um, I'm telling you now, it's the best football team. You're gonna see in your life, Liverpool team. As a Liverpool supporter, I was only born in the eighties, so I can't say I experienced football in the eighties. I watched a lot of them on video, mm-hmm. but the consumption of football we experience now, we get to see every single Liverpool game, and we get to see it in detail. We get to see it multiple times, and we get to see it uh, done to death, like reviewed. We know more about our football team than we ever would have, but right now. I can absolutely fucking tell you with certainty you won't see a better one. This is fucking the best Liverpool team you'll see of your lifetime and you better start enjoying it if you're not. People were talking about last night's performance as drab. It was described on the Echo podcast. Fuck off, seriously. If you didn't enjoy that last night, you need to just find another sport. The Echo called it drab? Some fella on an Echo podcast called it drab. Okay. Now, I don't know, like how the context or whatever probably didn't sound as bad if you listened to it but this is what the this was the word that was getting used mm-hmm. banging around Twitter today mm-hmm. and uh, I just find that 
so ridiculous. I don't know what you're expecting to get out of football if you're not enjoying this Liverpool team at the moment. In every way possible, they're winning games. Um, they're bossing, absolutely bossing the league. Sheffield United have been excellent this season. Nobody yeah. has done what Liverpool did to them last night. And no team will do it to them again this season. They're excellent under that manager. They're brilliant. They're playing football the way it should be. They're full of effort and work rate. But they were blown away. They were shell-shocked last night. Mm. They couldn't cope with Liverpool. We nearly passed the ball a thousand times. Yeah, ridiculous. How fucked up is that? Yeah. yeah. No, look, it, the, the, the passing thing for me is it, it, it's not a massive thing, but I think when you go into a game after a big, busy, festive period like that and you're willing to put that amount of passes, you're basically telling yourself, we're going to rest on the ball here and we're going to make them run and run and run and just put them into submission. And that's what they did. Uh, Chris has them down as 9 out of 10 and the scariest thing is is that we can uh, get better. Glenna says, me bollocks is Andy under 40. It made me laugh that <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I was born in the 80s. Would you fucking stop? Um, Maverick says, Alonso, Gerard, Mascherano. I don't know what that's about, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Stephen Max says we are good, but not yet reached the team of Johnny Barnes. I agree with you until we win the league title. Uh, Rocket 2010, 100% spot on. Soak it up and enjoy every second. Generational. It is generational. I think that's a massive yeah. word. Generational. It is one of those. Um, and Noel Tracy says, I think he said it was drab in the best possible way. It was in no way drab last night. It was a performance last night where if you asked Jurgen Klopp what he wanted his team to go out and do, they done exactly that last night. Um, exactly that. Uh, Keith, give me a mark out of 10 so far for the season. Well, we go 10. Like, I, I was thinking more along the lines of A, B and C, you know, like a review, report, so... You know, I was geared up for a letter rather than a number, so. Have we completely thrown when you're with the Have we completely thrown when you with the marks out of 10? Yeah, I, I would rather go with a, 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 a report card, you know, where mm. someone going with the A, okay. A plus, A minus B, you know, all yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm familiar so, with it, yeah. I'm going to go with an A minus. Okay. Just to leave that bit of room. Right. For the A plus. Okay. You know. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, lads, there's a lot of talk before, we'll, we'll probably knock this on the head in the next 10 minutes unless Andy gets upset and wants to stay till 1 o'clock in the morning, but, um, there's been a lot made of this game against Everton and I, I look, be sorry, before I go on to it, uh, the three of us here and I'm sure the majority of people watching this on YouTube or, or, or Periscope or indeed download it later on tonight or in the morning and listen to it on their way to work or their commute and stuff like that. We'll all, we'll, we'll, the vast majority will agree that this season so far has been utterly outstanding. Um, if you're marking a team 9 out of 10 or an A or an A plus, whatever way you want to do it, I think that's absolutely fair. There is room for improvement, there always is. Um, but if you were to stay at this level, you'd be absolutely happy for the rest of your life, wouldn't you? And long may it continue. Let's hope it brings loads of shiny things come the end of the season. Nobody's putting their hand up to say we've won it. I am, and anyway. But when you talk about room for improvement, mm. like, during the eighties and the late seventies, mm, you weren't the Liverpool. The, no, yeah, <laughs> the Liverpool team. But that's the rumor. You know, card to me, dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me, dad, homie. They they would talk about that team, mm. like just winning the league at Christmas and all that. <laughs> Actual fact, they didn't really ever win it at Christmas because the the bar is being raised. You know, the ceiling is so much higher now. Yeah. Your man. Um, 
Miguel Delaney got a lot of coverage today about his article in the Independent. Yeah, um, I didn't know where he was going with that. To be honest with I, you, oh, I, I think he was just looking for attention. Be quite honest, but he mm. did raise some very, very valid points. Um, and the the bar has been raised where you're talking about a team now, Liverpool and City, a couple of years ago, winning almost every fucking game, mm. like. It shouldn't really happen in football. You should yeah, but really hold on, Andy. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute, Andy. Hold on. Let, Miguel Delaney made a point last night, and I asked him on Twitter. I said, "Who do you feel is to blame?" And he went on. He told me that certain individuals have made massive decisions in football that have weighed things in the in the in the in the favour of massive clubs. Of course, they're going to. They're in. They're in the, the the business. It's a business, and they're in the business of making money. Putting it to this way, if you gave Port Vale 150 million quid tomorrow, they're not going to generate for you TV revenue like Liverpool are going to. Right. So yeah. that's just the way things are. Okay. But and a lot of people made the point to him that Liverpool nine years ago were on the basically our business. Okay, they've rebuilt this, and okay, because of their name and the worldwide appeal, it's made it a lot easier to rebuild. Okay, I'm not saying it's been easy; it's been a hard road for the last, let's be honest, thirty years. Aside from a couple of big wins here and there, i.e. Istanbul and stuff like that. I don't know where, from what I can make of Miguel Delaney last night, he basically wants, from what I can read of it, without him actually saying it, I think he wants a salary cap, I think he wants the amount of money being invested in each club to be equal, and then we go from there, but it's never going to be equal. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm and, not sure he knows what he wants himself. No, but he made the point last night that when United were dominated like this, he made the exact point. I don't really know what he wants. Do you know? Does he, uh, like, does Miguel Delaney want to, everybody to go into football for free? And sit and watch and players play for free and we don't give out medals at the end of the season because that'll only hurt kids over here that, you know, might, might have their feelings hurt. You know, it's a business. It's, it's a massive yeah. business. And let's okay. be honest about it. Uh, Miguel Delaney and other people make their living from it. You know, and if yeah. there wasn't teams going around and he hadn't got the discussion point like Liverpool becoming probably a team that could probably go and win the most amount of points, what's he going to write about? Are they going to fucking yeah. soldier? It's not going to happen. Well, I don't know, Gav. Like, a few seasons ago, Leicester won the league out of mm. nowhere. Yeah. And this season, Liverpool are more than likely going to win the league mm. against the Man City side who has unlimited, like a bottomless mm-hmm. pit of yeah. resources and money. Mm. Uh, I thought to myself last year, like, a fairly depressing thought to think that this might be our... Highlight, you know, this might be our, our time mm-hmm. and we won't win fucking anything yeah. because because of the presence of City. Yeah, you know, but Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, 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 Sullivan makes the point there if we win the league, that's five different sides in seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. All right. I don't know how many how many many leagues in the world could even boast that. Yeah, but but what I'm saying to you is, and like if you look at it, right, uh, Stephen Max says he's a Chelsea fan. I don't know who he supports, but if you take Chelsea for argument's sake, Chelsea arrived in here uh, into England and decided that um, Abramovich was just going to spend a massive amount of money, and we're talking 15 years ago now, massive amount of money. All right, and dominated for two years, then went away, then came back. I don't know what the fella wants. Yeah. Get what I'm saying? No, I think what he's trying to do is, um, he, he, you know, people will differentiate what Chelsea did to what Liverpool are doing. Liverpool mm-hmm. are doing this a lot more organic. Um, they they are a club who established themselves in the time when football was socialist and it was built up on a lot of values and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like the the money came in and Liverpool fell off because they didn't follow that footprint 
And now, uh, now we have owners who, who do recognize the, um, the business of sport and, and how you generate money and how you do, no matter what the sport, how you, you know, you grow your, um, your brand or your, uh, franchise commercially. And they've done that and they've caught up on 25 years. Uh, we fell behind Manchester United and yeah, because we're inept, we're in, we're in, inept in what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, but they, but they didn't need a, a cash injection. No, like, there was no cash injection. I mean, the only cash injection that Liverpool have had under FSG is a, uh, is when they turned debt into um into shares that mm-hmm. where there was forty five million or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the only cash injection, and that that's obviously recoverable if they ever sell the club. Um, but they they have done things right. Mm-hmm. They have been very shrewd about how they've done transfers, how they've recruited, how they've gained commercial sponsorship and uh, and also how they've secured loans. It's all very safe. Yeah. You know but, but like, they constantly uh, learned as they went as well, you yeah. know. They didn't just come in and get a, but get this a isn't about, the beginning. Listen, they've learned on the job. But we don't have to justify them this to anybody. This is not my whole point, right? Miguel Delaney, I'm probably, listen, Miguel Delaney is the one that I came across last night. There's probably others that talk about this. But my point is, Miguel Delaney is saying that the decisions have been made to sway, to sway the, 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 the future of football and, and probably the predictability of football in the, in the favour of massive huge clubs. Okay? Yeah. Liverpool is a massive huge club. Now we use Manchester City and Liverpool as two huge clubs. Manchester City are not a big club. Let's be perfectly fucking clear about that. Okay? Yeah. Manchester City, he, Manchester what City. What he said was, Gav, take out big club because he, he wasn't really talking about big clubs. He's, he's, uh, his point is about super clubs. Okay, so super so clubs. So, let's, so, let's forget, let's, let's forget our understanding of a big club in the past because a big club to me will be a team that's like ruined in history. Like right. us, like Okay, so super, the super club team now is the person that has the most money, okay? So yeah. he, he mentioned Liverpool and Man City and what he done by doing that is he, he, he protected himself from what he was saying. Okay, because he said Liverpool and Manchester City could go and do X, Y, and Z because these decisions have been made. Now let me tell you something, Andy. Right? There's 20 teams in this Premier League. Okay, and I would suggest that probably 10 to 12 of them are probably in the 30 richest clubs in the world. Okay, yeah. I'm going to say that. I could be slightly off on that. Someone will probably hammer me with a stat that says no. But I would say 10 to 12 of them are probably listed yeah. in the top 40 richest club in the world. Yeah. Okay, so, so if Manchester City and Liverpool, as as Miguel Delaney has made this point, says that these these conditions have been pushed in their favour, okay, what 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 what's he saying about Manchester United? Okay, who are the richest club in the world, who had the biggest turnover in the world. They are, the, they are the biggest club in the world financially and commercially, okay? Then you have Arsenal, who 15 years ago built a 60,000-seater stadium to compete, right? And have made a complete fuck-up, no matter how much money and no matter how many players they've sold. You've Tottenham Hotspur, who have spent a billion pounds on a stadium, okay? You've Chelsea, who was backed by a billionaire Russian uh, oil, oil tycoon, okay? What's the excuse they should have no excuse as to for what Liverpool are doing. Okay, there is no excuse for these clubs turning and go. Oh well, this and this and this. There's no excuse. And the argument that Liverpool are winning this league because 
decisions have been swayed in super close favour. It's complete, and in my opinion, complete bullshit. And that's yeah, the United tone as well that they bought the league. You know, saying the highest wage bill in the world and the second highest wage bill in the world. But them players didn't go to Liverpool on mega wages. Everyone knows that. You go Everything to Liverpool. It's performance you know, top dollar, yeah. You, you earn your uh, pay rises. So the likes of Salah, Mane and all, they all got looked after. They all got weighed in. But it didn't start off like that. It's good business, you know. I don't, I don't know what he was trying to get out. I think it was just... Say sure you don't live uphill and watch the clicks rolling in. Yes, it could be, it could yeah, be that, it could be that, it could be that. Like Kevin Sullivan says Man United are riddled with debt. No, Kev. Man United were bought off the back of, off the back of money that the Glazers didn't have. And what they done was they took it and they ran with it and they continued to take 60 million quid a season out of Manchester United, knowing that if they ever do sell it and they're a billion in debt, it doesn't matter. They're getting two and a half billion back and they're walking away. And they're, they, they didn't even use their own money to do it. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's one of those. Um, and it just, it, it didn't annoy me last night, it's annoying me a bit now because I just, I, I can't understand how all these mega rich clubs, like if Liverpool go and win, if Liverpool go and win the Champions League in a final against Manchester City, what's Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich's excuse? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so we can't, I, I, I really don't know. But look, let's get off it for a minute, let's get off it. Lads, the FA Cup, um, we're playing Everton, there's been a lot of talk over this with regards to, uh, what do we do with the team? What way do we approach it? Andy, what way do you approach it if you're a manager of Liverpool Football Club on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, on another, on another time when players weren't as injured, I'd be saying go as near to full strength as possible. Treat is another league game. Make your one or two changes that he does tend to make. Or if you look at sort of the mid-December when he maybe made three or four changes, that's what I'd be looking at. But you can't really do that now because at the moment our 11 kind of picks itself because of the few injuries that we have. So uh, I think he's in an unfortunate position where he probably has to go with a, a League Cup selection. Yeah. Not not the not the last round of it, but one uh, from the previous round where it's peppered with kids and uh, then a few kind of uh, recognised bodies as well. That's the way it is. And I mean, I don't think there's much of a discussion about it because that's that's pretty much what he's forced into mm-hmm. at the moment I would absolutely love if they were in a position to say just you know bring in Adrian or bring in whatever centre back's not playing at the moment mm-hmm. we haven't got another few one and play whatever backup full back there is or switch around the midfield and play the opposite three or you know one of the other five that hasn't played and then we, do, we, we actually don't really have anything else up top so uh, that's that's just the fucking way it is. Uh, because it's it, because it's our time now, and because Liverpool are the best team around the world, I would love to see us clean up on trophies. But um, we really do need to prioritise and not really take the risk of letting that lead slip. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, the FA Cup does have to be um, you know popped down the priority order. Keith, if it wasn't Everton, he's definitely gone with a, with a team that, you know, you could probably take six, seven, easily six or seven players out of the game that played against Sheffield United. But it is Everton. And loads of people here are saying, look, um, we should be fine. Like Liverpool versus everybody says five to six days till the match after the, till the next match after Everton, we should be fine. We cannot roll over for these, says a lot that's of people. That's not the sounds we're hearing, though. You know, no, that's not the sounds yeah. we're hearing. That's not the sounds we're hearing. Um, you know, Damo says all Everton DVD makers will be rubbing their flutes looking forward to Sunday's yeah. game. To end you know, they can, they can have it because when they do bring out their FA Cup, if they did win the FA Cup and they beat Liverpool along the way, 
it wouldn't sell a single fucking DVD in Liverpool because we're going to be the ones that win the league. And when they finally do, say, break their trophy, Doug, we've won the fucking league. Mm. And we're world champions at the time. So, look, fuck them. They're irrelevant. They're just, you know, they're just a, a pimple on our arse and we have to deal with it. Yeah, Glenner says we have a week break after this game. No need to play the kids. I, I don't think it's the week break that does it for me. It's the fact that we're playing another three days. Look, we're hitting four days, yeah. three days, three days. It's 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 not what's ahead of us. It's what's what's gone before. Keith, uh, if we can rest as many as possible, that's ideal, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, uh, he's going to have to call, the Some people are calling for the some people are calling for the team that played in the derby a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I mean, if it was me personally, right, I'd look at the cast of Brookside and see who has the pair of boots and I'd make a team out of them and just be mm-hmm. done with it. I wouldn't even send any of our kids into the show. But because it's Everton, it changes things a bit and it's, right, we have to put some sort, we can't go in and get spanked by them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't put the, the kids team in. But see who can go and then just let, oh, we can get a decent enough team, I think, out of what's there. Mm. And just see where that brings us. Mm. Okay, if, you, if we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. I couldn't care less about the FA Cup, to be totally honest. Yeah, there's loads. Uh, Grizz says that it's risking injury. Uh, Lubach yeah, says, I dress, I dress Allison, we... Robbo, Hendo, Salah, and Mane. Mark Spruill says they can have it. They get knocked out in the next round anyway. League and Champions League to win. Chris Brack says Adrian, Trent Gomez, VVD, Robertson, Milner, Genie, Minamino, Lalana, Elliot, Origi. Uh, Grizz says Genie, Bobby, Trent, Robbo, all off on Sunday. Um, he reckons, and he reckons that's tier one. Information. I um, think Bobby's yeah, the likes of Bobby's definitely going to be getting the rest. And see. Genie as well, like you will. Yeah, when all them probably have I'm going to be honest with you, lads. I don't care if it's everything. I don't care who it is. Um, we have for me, we've won priority this season. Yeah. And if the FA Cup has to fall right away, so it absolutely yeah. so be. No, I mean, are we that, making, are we making them relevant by even like considering this as? You know, an object you, of the game. I, I think we could switch around things and, and, and probably still go and win it. Um, yes. you know, Dan, if we were playing, if we were playing fucking Stockport or something, mm. we wouldn't be having this conversation. No. We'd be just saying go yeah. and play whatever shit, you know. Sorry, that's wrong shit. No, nobody shit. But we'd be saying whatever, whatever's available, go out. If you have a pair of boots, go out and play and, and who cares. Mm. But because it's everything, it's added a dynamic into the game that mm-hmm. we probably just fucking don't really need and they've just recruited Angelotti and we're making them very relevant at the moment and we're making them relevant in a season that they couldn't be more irrelevant, irrelevant to yeah. us yeah I think I think if it's, Andy for me it's it's Look, they all, they have all the analytics around this. They have all the, you know, the, the stats where the guys have a fairly run, red zone that they're in, all this sort of stuff. We can, we can argue that the cows come home with regards to who should play. Surely the, the Liverpool, um, fitness team and, and whatever medical team I have looked at all this and went, listen, player A, B, C, D and E can't play. That's them yeah. out of it. This is Absolutely. who's left. This is who should go on the bench. This is probably who you have full fucking go full steam with and you make a decision from there. They're not going to do it because it's everything. I think they, they look after players a little bit better than that. And if I still think they can still do it anyway. So it's it's one of those. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, the rumour, uh, Chris Brack, is that City have offered £45 million for Sionku of Leicester. Um, we'll get in. Forty-five. Yeah, we we we, we get into um we get into transfers as as the month goes on. Andy, have you anything else before we go? Sorry, I'll I'll leave you to last because you probably do. Keith, have you anything else before we go? No, no, I'm all good. Get the old uh, 
connection sorted out mm. in here, see what's going on. Strongly worded letter to me, Broadman provider, but yeah. uh, other than that, no. Okay. All good. Good. Uh, Andy, have you anything on your mind you'd like to bring up before we leave? No, is there no, um, is there no, like, questions in, no? No, I didn't ask random questions tonight. Um, would you like me to give the listener a minute or two to come up with a random question for you? Yeah, if, you, yeah, if they want to come up with a random topic, I'm sure we could discuss it. I, okay. Like, I mean, my my, uh, my whole objective of tonight was to just give out about people, giving out about Christmas being, they're sick of it at this stage. Yeah. I was going to ask you about... I'm sick of people being sick of Christmas because uh, that's just fucking dickhead behaviour. What else are you in it for? How could you, complain, how could you complain about Christmas? Mm. How could you possibly... Well, I understand that diff- Christmas is difficult for some people, but you know people that haven't got those difficulties mm. and they have all their family around them and they have all that, you know, going for them. All the nice There's people things. who are like yeah. sick of being off work and yeah, people that are like, and all people that are dying to get that Christmas tree down, they're dying to... Is yours still up, Andy? Yeah. Is it, when do you take it down, Andy? Go on. I take it down on the 6th. Why the 6th? Cause that's like that's bad the luck. traditional day, isn't it? Day. Is it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, no, mine's down now. It's uh, down. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, down, gone. Off, seriously, yeah. piss off. No, I, it's not that I'm sick of Christmas. To be honest with you, mine, mine would usually stay up till probably if the sixth. You, you have a big event happening. <laughs> I have a baby coming on Monday, so we kind of have to make room. You know, we can't. You can't have a baby lying under a fucking tree when you come home. You know what I mean? It's we need room. You know, the pictures though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, but I'll probably go down to the, the shopping centre and get ripped off with portrait pictures. You know, I'm sure they have a Christmas tree hanging around somewhere. Yes. They make the kid close their eyes and wrap them up in a towel or something like that. That's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, but you know people who, like, they... I, I don't know. The problem with Christmas starting too early now, like... Now, I, I don't have a particular problem with it. Mm. But, uh, you know, when you're eating mince pies in November... I don't eat mince pies. Well, other people... Mm-hmm. And they might be having a cheese board and the first week in December, like, by the time Christmas comes, you're sick of all that shit. Mm-hmm. Just, my advice to people is just pace themselves a bit more. Don't get sucked into it too early. Don't <laughs> be eating selection. With mince pies, like. Yeah, don't be eating selection boxes yeah. uh, at the end of November. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Leave yeah. them in the pantry. <laughs> in the pantry, yeah. <laughs> and just, just wait till Christmas comes and don't have yourself... 10 days into the 12 days of Christmas. Oh, do you do the 12 days of Christmas? Already. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Andy's Christmas because like he was down at the Grafton Quarter and he was, you know, under the Christmas lights and then he was at the gate, the, doing the, doing the panto and all, weren't you? Not doing the panto, you were, yeah. you, you attended the panto, Andy. Yeah, Andy. and I, I, like, I would recommend even, like, people that are listening from, uh, other countries, if they could even come in to, Fly into Dublin for a weekend before mm. Christmas and go to the Gaiety Panto. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing experience. Yeah, the the Panto is life. Is life. It's one of those. It's one of those things that just yeah. Okay. Makes it all worthwhile. And Christmas, yeah. Don't be saying Christmas is you're sick of Christmas at this stage. I don't want to hear anybody saying that to me. Mm. Okay. Especially if you've no problems. Okay. Um, let me see. Somebody asked there. Sh- oh yeah. So Secret Santa. Should there be strict rules on Secret Santa, Keith, where, you know, you don't tell the person who you got and stuff like that? Because to me, a lot of the Secret Santa stuff just goes and it's like, oh, I got you and you know, that kind of way. Should there be strict rules and, and possible, I don't know, sanctions if, if, if the word gets out? 
sanctions out like that. Yeah, put your hands off to be No, we're not that much. Like you know, we're not we're not fucking mad. Like you know what I mean? But I don't know. Like yeah, I suppose it depends, doesn't it? I mean, I know in my job we done it, but we've a small office, so every fucker guest who got here, you know, so it was a bit of a. A bit of a pain the bollocks like that. But yeah, I think there should be an etiquette to it. You know what I mean? If you're going to partake in the festivities, play the game and don't just try to be a bleeding Scrooge and wreck the buzz. Yeah, okay. And the um, plum pudding or Christmas cake, which is better, says Rocket? Uh, the marzipan and ice now, Christmas cake, and then plum pudding. So what they should do Absolute is get... notions, this make, is. Come on. <laughs> make, uh, but what people need to start doing is making a plum pudding, but putting uh, marzipan and icing on the top of it and right. just being the being Christmas cake off of. Yeah. What about plum pudding? Is the, Christmas pudding is the one that you make with Guinness and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what I thought was plum pudding as well. Like, just whatever you, whatever you fancy, like, pudding is different. It's wetter. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um... I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not into that. Uh, somebody else says, "What's the worst holiday you've ever been on? A worst trip you've ever been on? Andy, any trips you've been on that have been horrendous?" Yeah, Kusadasi. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, I remember you going to get your hair done. What? Were you going to get your hair done? Boy, isn't that what people do? They go to talk and get their hair done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm waiting a full head of hair. Yeah. But come here, um, I remember years ago, like. There was a big stigma mm-hmm. about going to places where you'd find loads of English, right? Yeah. And Magaluf and different parts of Tenerife and all. And, yeah. you know, you'd find all the louts going to Ninnaker's Bar yeah. and all. Are you going to get me in that. trouble here, Andy, with this story? No. Okay, this is cool. just, this is just like a cultural kind of dis- discussion. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> you know, places yeah. where we very, very British. Like, if I go on holiday, I like at least experience a small bit of culture like you know mm. um, but you go to a place and you may as well be just in Blackpool or something yeah. everything's just full fucking English breakfast mate you know yeah. and uh, and the, the thing to avoid would be would be that sort of English mentality but boy god the one thing you want to avoid when you go on holiday these days especially with a family is is uh, is Dublin scumbags Northsiders no, so <laughs> <laughs> if there was, God. if there was a the holiday, you yeah. know, the, the likes of the tour operators should have an app, yeah. and they should you should have access to some sort of like yeah. metrics. I'd say you, I'd say you, I'd say you book your holiday off the vouchers you get from a Volga. <laughs> no, you I, should have access to metrics. Right. Um, if there's a, a serious spike. In Northsiders, <laughs> uh, certain areas, yeah. just avoid like the plague. Yeah. I'm telling you now, if any English people are listening, avoid uh, Dublin people. And I'm a dub myself, like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going on holidays, so avoid so Andy if you go on holidays. Do not go to uh, Port of Carmen and Lanzarote yeah. and end up. Glenna says uh, play the English. That's a great show. I, yeah. w- I once went to um, I once went to Ackle Island with a sc- on a school tour for a couple of days. You know, <laughs> one of these. Pl- what? That couldn't have been shit. Oh no no no! It wasn't shit. It was a little bit terrifying. I'll tell you why. Um, we were about fifteen, sixteen. We went to Ackle Island. Um, on literally drove on a bus Dublin to Ackle Island. Yeah, well, what else would you be doing? And went there, and we're in. 
you, it was one of these places, you know, where you go, like, it's an activity centre, so you do, like, um, surfing and mountain biking and canoeing and all, you know, all that, the usual crap. Um, we went and we're in, about an hour of us getting there, a local man was threatening us with a shotgun. No way. That didn't go down. Yeah, we had to have police protection for about 48 hours. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's but, yeah, but like, you're talking about a school full of North Side that's going to Ackle. Yeah. Yeah. So you say police protection, like, yeah. this sounds like something else out of that head. No, so seriously, there's a, there's a cop car outside their place for 48 hours. Yeah, so you pissed everyone off, and you probably deserved it. You proved Andy's point, Gav, well done. No, we didn't yeah. do, I don't, I, no, there was not really, I don't think there was anything done. We were just there, yeah. I, like, you know, I am, um, so yeah, there, there's one for you. But anyway, Q Sadassi, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot all about Q Sadassi, <laughs> <God>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're now at 94 minutes into this podcast, just to let you know. Go on. Jeez, I'll be getting going now. Yeah. Uh, now, Q Sadassi, that would be my recommendation to avoid. It's, uh, it's got all the dubs you don't want to see on holiday over there. All the Andes, yeah. <laughs> no. Southsiders <laughs> are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Really. People may may not agree with me, but uh, that's just no. I we'll never ever 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 go back to Kusas, and I believe there's other parts of Turkey that are beautiful. Yeah, just couldn't Where did go you back. go? What? Why did you go to Kusas? Why? Yeah, because I heard it was supposed to be good. Who told you? Brandon Rogers to go and get the teeth. <laughs> yeah, but who told you? Because you're, 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 I'm the only North Sider you're going to talk to, I think. <laughs> Maybe one or two more. So it was clearly... Well, 2006 now, we would be filled into knowing an awful lot more North Siders. <laughs> You've weaned them out of your life, have you, over the last 13 <laughs> yeah. years? Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. as, as, you, um, as you get older, like, you learn to uh, shut people out of your life yeah. who, are, who are a bad influence on your mm. mentality. Can I ask you something, Mandy? Go on. When well, you're in a QC did you buy a leather jacket and give it a name? <laughs> no, that's no. something I do. That's something I do occasionally here. Yeah. Do you want to tell us the name of your leather jacket? Oh, you're never going to find that out. <laughs> okay, no problem. I got it in Massimo Duty, though. What? I got it in Massimo Duty. Massimo Duty? What's that? It's a shop. Where? There's one in Grafton. The one I got was in Grafton Street. Of course it was. Of course it was. Grafton Quarter. The Grafton Quarter. Absolute notions, I swear to God. Well, I tell Davo about this. Um, yeah. Right, um, are we done? That has a leather jacket. What? That was that. That was that. was a leather that? jacket with spade sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll ask you about that. Have a, uh, I think it might have, like, you know, elbow pads or elbow, leather elbow patches on them as well. Letter on letter, like yeah. So that will probably actually understand. Okay. Uh, no, Tracy says Santa Panza back in the day, lads, bleeding deadly. <coughs> um, <coughs> is there anything else before we go? Seriously, anything? Um, I really wanted to say no. <laughs> there's, the, the course, there's, there's loads of things. Um, Chris Brack says, Gav, can Andy name your child? Absolutely not. He'd call you name a Tarquin or something like that. He's an absolute, like, you know what I mean? Way above a station he is, you know what I mean? He's from Tala. Do you know what I mean? I'm actually not. I'm, I'm actually from Greenhills. Yeah, but um, there's, there's a funny thing I read about names there yeah. a while ago. Yeah. And, you know, like, there's a cycle with names. Mm. You know the way 
everybody kind of calls their kids Mickey. the same kind of jump. No, nobody calls their kid Michael no, now. It did loads did years ago. There's loads of mix around. It's generational. Yeah, but nobody you get calls to, that kids Michael. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Maybe on an art side they do. Like that. No, that could be an. There's an more chance. Yeah, right, okay. But uh, the yeah, no. There's a. There's a. I believe it's a twenty-year cycle for names. Mm. So a name might start off in a really affluent area in London mm. or whatever, New York or whatever. Like and it the next, like you know, Bradley, say right. And yeah, ten years later, that name is fucked. Like. Yeah. Only fucking Scobies are calling the kids Bradley. <laughs> and then like 10 years later after that, then it's back to, it's back to really, you know, nice parts of the world again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah when you, kids names, yeah, mad, mad, yeah. but, but um, Michael, will it ever be fashionable again? I don't know. I'd I don't say know how it many, is. yeah, I don't know. But will it ever be our fashion? That's the thing. I don't know, I, I, being honest with you, I don't know a Michael probably under the age of 30. Uh, I'd say, yeah, 35, yeah. Mm. I nearly called my son Michael. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I know a few named after Michael Owen, but they sort of, they're not really Michael, they'd be more Mickey or Mikey now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another thing you need to avoid. Yeah. Name, name your kids after footballers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like what, 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 if, what names are you thinking of when it comes to footballers where you go, no, it's not happening? Trent. Trent, yeah, that, that's probably Hammond. gonna happen, isn't it? We just like it on their team. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's just so, so much can happen in football that you've named your child after a footballer and two years later they're gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say there's a couple of McCaders there a couple of years ago and now yeah. they, they feel, um, there'd be loads of Virgils for the same old flood. Um, how, Glenna says, how many Margarets are 60 now? I couldn't imagine a child called Margaret. I think mm. the likes of them are coming back though again, aren't they? Margaret. What are we doing here talking no, about this? No, they, they know, they, they shorten those names. Mags. Yeah, like, you, now I probably wouldn't call me child any variation of Margaret, but there are probably, there, there is people out there who she would could end up being called Mick. Go on. Yeah. Do you know how that was weird? People that are called Margaret are called Peggy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mad. Yeah, but in the olden days, it's had loads of names. Weird that Richard's being called Dick. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I knew a fella now, I'm trying to think, I knew him a good couple of years ago. And, um, oh, I'll think of it now in a minute. I, I'll, I'll probably have to think of it after the show, but I, I knew him. And uh, his name was completely different to like what he was, what his, um, what his name was. Sorry, his name was Christopher, right? His name was Christopher, yeah. right? And um, everyone called him Noel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not messing with you. I'm not messing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a taxi driver. He was from uh, he, he's from down in Clondalkin. Um, uh, his name was Christopher. Christopher Mac. His second name started with Mac, and mm. it was um, he, he definitely called him Noli, you know. And uh, yeah. I, I always remember the time he, he was he, he was driving a taxi. He was telling us, and he took a fare, and uh, the fella in the front was was acting the maggot a bit, you know. And he says, uh, 
he was giving out to him and he said, listen, keep it up now and throwing you out of the car. And he said, Jesus Christ, relax. He says, my name is Noel. Your man didn't know where to look because I'm the front of the car. You know the way he tells you the name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Christopher. And he's like, stop calling me Christopher. My name is Noel. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, the one, um, that's the one I remember. Um, Noel's a fucking poxy name <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it is at Christmas you know when people go oh no no well you know this sort of stuff I'd say it grinds on you after a while lads we have to knock this in the head this is 100 minutes long now it's 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 getting stupid you know um, it's yeah we have to stop uh, Keith thanks a million for joining me tonight it's been great it's a pleasure as always good Andy thanks for joining me um, yeah you've absolutely slaughtered the north side for no reason Um <laughs> Anyone, anyone called Michael that used to listen to us no longer listens to us. Michael, um, it's on the north side. Michael, that's from the north side that goes on holiday in Cusid. That's yeah, being alienated from the fat black for daily. Yeah, them, <laughs> them, them, them negotiations we are due to have with regard to sponsorship with Turkish Airlines are on their yeah. arse now. Um, yeah. but look, it's been, a, it's been a really good one, Andy. Thanks a million. Yeah, pleasure. No problem. Um, that's it. That's the Fatback 480 for Friday night. There won't be a show tomorrow night. Um, there will be one on Sunday. Um, and then we're literally playing up a year for the rest of next week. Um, most of you will know why. If you don't, it's because I have, I genuinely have very important things going on from Monday to probably Thursday, Friday next week. Uh, that's been the Fatback 480. Thanks a million for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Over now. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sports Social Podcast Network.